I don't know if there was children's church or not this morning, but if, if there is, no, there's not. Okay. <clears throat> Good morning. And I'd also like to take this opportunity to wish everyone a, a happy new year, a year of God's, God's blessing and guidance as we look ahead. I was reminded this morning when I saw so few people here the story I read about a pastor who had the same experience one winter morning, Sunday morning, very few people in the congregation. And after the, after the service, uh, one of his parishioners came to him, he was a farmer, and he said, I thought you made shorten your sermon, be, be, seeing there were so few people in the, in the congregation. He says, you know, he says, when only one cow comes to the barn, I don't feed her the whole load. <clears throat> The year 2022 has just begun, and we're looking ahead, aren't we? Sometimes with apprehension, I hope you're not, but some people are, and sometimes we just can't help but things things happen and we have a little apprehension. Other times we look forward with anticipation. What will the new year hold in store for us? We're on a journey. Nobody can argue that. We're all on a journey. And we're going forward because, truth be told, we can't go back. And all moving forward always means leaving the security of staying with the familiar and oftentimes worrying about the uncertainty of the future, of, the, of what lies ahead. What we really need to remember, as someone has wisely noted, is that as believers, we don't need to worry about the future. God is already there. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read that Abraham was called by God to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. So even Bible characters have experienced what we experience at the beginning of a new year. We don't know where we're going. It pretty much describes all of us not knowing. In Genesis chapter 14 also, we read of God's orders for, to Moses to lead his people. They had just left Egypt. The enemy was behind them. But the Red Sea was ahead. Now what? God's command, tell the sons of Israel to go forward. That was the order, and God opened a way. You know the story. And he will open a way for us as well. You and I don't know the long-term effects of most decisions that we make. And so as we look forward to a new year and as we make choices and take action, let's look to God for guidance and direction. And let's ask ourselves, where is our focus? Where is my focus? What are my priorities? Psalm 90, our scripture reading, reminds us that this world is not our home. We are only here temporarily. The world is constantly pressuring us to put down roots, right, and embrace the culture around us. But as God's people, we must resist this attitude. Let's live with singleness of purpose, focusing on the goal ahead. As Paul says, the upward call of God. That's from our call to worship verses. Now, as we look ahead to a new year, let's remember that the year just gone cannot be recalled 
Its journey cannot be retraced. Its mistakes cannot be undone. But with God, we can go forward. Let's agree again with Paul in Philippians 3. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We should put up a no parking sign. Go on. Don't stop. Paul had reason to forget what was behind. We have all done things for which we're ashamed, right? But let's not dwell on our past. Realize that you are forgiven and move on to a life of faith and obedience. Let's remember that God holds our future in his loving hands. That's why I chose that title. God holds his future in his loving hands, and we can pray with confidence as a psalm writer did many years ago. As for me, I trust in you, O Lord. You are my God. Show me the way that I should go. For to you, to you I entrust my life. Just a few months ago, I like to listen to John Newfeld on Back to the Bible, and just a few months ago, he suggested that during this time of pandemic, many people are feeling down, and he said, read Psalm 90. And that's where I got my idea. So I went and I read, read Psalm 90 and decided to base my message on, the, on that psalm. He said, this, this psalm should encourage us. When people are depressed, when people are fearful, when they're filled with anxiety, encourage them to read the scriptures. And Psalm 90 is one. So I took his advice. Verses 1 to 11 of this psalm is kind of Moses contemplating. And the last part is more of a prayer. It's called a prayer of Moses. And it's the oldest of the psalms. Moses is the, is the author. And the central theme of this psalm would be the contrast between God's eternal nature and man's frailty. Our time on earth is limited. We are to use it wisely, not living for the moment, but with our eternal home in mind. It's always too soon to quit. A man was shoveling, I thought this was a cute story, a man was shoveling snow from his driveway. Many of us have done that this week, right? This man was shoveling snow from his driveway. Two boys come by with carrying snow shovels, and they came to him and they said, can we shovel your snow, mister? It'll only cost you $2. And puzzled, the man replied, can't you see that I'm doing it myself? Sure, one of the boys replied, that's why we asked. We get most of our business from people who are half finished and feel like quitting. Don't quit. It's always too soon to quit. And Charles Spurgeon, many years ago, reminded his London congregation, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. To be a Christian and to live for the Lord involves commitment. There is no other way. And from our scripture reading, I'd like to highlight a few verses. We have, as I said before, Moses contemplating. Last part of verse 2, he says, Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God, not you were God. God was when nothing else was. 
And Moses here contrasts finite man and our infinite God. We are creatures of time. God is eternal. And back to verse 1, God is our dwelling place, not our prison. He is our home, we might say. So fear and insecurity should be replaced by confidence and stability. And Moses reminds us further in verse 4 of, that, of our passage that a thousand years are like a day to the Lord. God is not limited by time as we are. Just this past week, my, a friend of mine gave me his book to read. Uh, it's David Jeremiah's book, uh, Where Do We Go From Here? Uh, probably some of you have, have the book or have read it already or have listened on TV to some of his messages on this, on this topic. Where do we go from here? And there's an introduction to the book. He describes the chaotic state of our world, and then he adds, I refuse to be discouraged, and so should you. I refuse to be discouraged. He's looking at uh, today's world events in every chapter, a different topic, looking at the world events in the light of Bible prophecy. And if we looked at it, look at it that way, you can just see how we're moving toward a climax. But don't get discouraged. He says, I refuse, he says, to be discouraged, and so should you. My times are in your hand. God's hand is adequate for every need of every day and of every year, including 2022. And as I was preparing for this morning, I was amazed at how many times God's hand is referred to in Scripture. His hand holds, his hand guides, his hand protects, and on and on it goes. Just look up God's hand in Scripture in a concordance sometime. God's hand, so important. Our little kids are taught the bedtime prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. And Jewish little kids, I read this week, are taught to pray, into your hand I commit my spirit. Isn't that a great prayer to teach your kids? Into your hand I commit my spirit. Sure, it's easy to get discouraged when the years pass and the world doesn't get better. I think we'd probably all agree that the world is getting worse. The physical world as well as the spiritual state of our world. But let's not get all depressed about it. A better day is coming. So put a smile on your face. You and I have hope, a living hope. And in the meantime, we should ask ourselves, what am I giving my life to? Back to Moses' prayer, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. We number all kinds of things, don't we? We number acres and bushels and cattle and hogs and probably dollars, etc., etc. That's not mentioned here at all. Teach us to number our days. A good exercise, one author suggests, is to sit down with pencil and paper at the beginning of the new year and write down this question. What did I do with the year just passed? What happened to 2021? Did I pour my hours and days 
into things that really matter? What about the choices I've made? Sometimes we let others make the choices for us, or we lose opportunities by not choosing at all. Robert Boardman, he put it this way, my life is like a single coin. I can spend it any way I want, but I can only spend it once. Lord, help me spend my coin for your glory. And this same author, he was a chaplain in the U.S. Army at the time, and he tells how years ago he was inspired to put together a message called, If I Could Live My Life Over. Of course we can't, but it's food for thought, isn't it? And we hear expressions like, I wish I had more time, or where has all the time gone? I just don't have time for that, and on and on it goes. I read somewhere where a West African visitor to the U.S. had made the comment, in America you have all the wristwatches, but in Africa we have all the time. In case you're getting all depressed, here's a cute story. I think I've shared this before, but it, it, it's worth repeating. It's called the mayonnaise jar and the coffee. You heard the story? Here it goes. When things in your life seem almost too much to handle, when 24 hours in a day are not enough, remember the mayonnaise jar and the coffee. A professor stood before his philosophy class and had some items in front of him. When the class began, world, wordlessly, he picked up a very large and empty mayonnaise jar and proceeded to fill it with golf balls. He then asked the students if the jar was full, and they agreed that it was. So the professor then picked up a box of pebbles and poured them into the jar, and he shook the jar lightly, and the pebbles rolled into the open areas between the golf balls. And he asked the students again if the jar was full, and they agreed that it was. And the professor next picked up, picked up a box of sand and poured it into the jar. Of course, the sand filled up everything else. He asked once more if the jar was full, and the students responded with a unanimous yes. The professor then produced two cups of coffee from under the counter, and he poured the entire contents into the jar, effectively filling the empty space between the sand, and the students started to laugh. Now, said the professor as the laughter subsided, I want you to recognize that this jar represents your life. The golf balls are the important things. Your God, your family, your children, your health, your friends, your favorite passions, things that if everything else was lost and only they remained, your life would still be full. The pebbles are the other things that matter, like your job, your house, your car. The sand is everything else the small stuff. If you put the sand into the jar first, he continued, there is no room for the pebbles or the golf balls. The same goes for life. If you spend all your time and energy on the small stuff, you will never have room for the things that are important to you. Pay attention to the things that are critical to your happiness. Play with your children. Take time to get medical checkups. Take your partner out to dinner. Play an extra 18 holes. There will always be time to clean the house and fix the disposal. 
Take care of the golf balls first, the things that really matter. Set your priorities. The rest is just sand. One of the students raised her hand and inquired what the coffee represented. The professor smiled. I'm glad you asked. It just goes to show you that no matter how full your life may seem, there's always room for a couple of cups of coffee with a friend. Very good. James 4, 13 to 15, we read, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So let's enter this new year by submitting all our plans to God and depending on him to help us accomplish what he wants us to do. Your past does not have to be your future. Each new day will serve up opportunities to choose God's way. And remember, the future is as bright as the promises of God. We need to thank God for the year that has passed and ask him to use us to accomplish his will in our troubled, suffering world in the year ahead. Reflecting on God's faithfulness in the past brings hope for the future. Our hymn book includes a scripture verse with the hymns. So I looked up in the index at the back of our hymn book and I found three hymns with Psalm 90 references from our scripture reading. I especially like number 52, you can read it later, with a reference from Psalm 90, verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place through all generations. The song title is, O God, our help in ages past. And the first verse goes like this, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. You can read the other verses for yourself. And while we're on the subject of songs, and I've shared this personal story before, but it's become ever more important to me. I was going through a low point in my life. And I turned on the radio, and within minutes, the song came on, Be Still My Soul, The Lord Is On Thy Side. When you're at a low point, who better than the Lord to be on your side? And I'd like to read it for you. It's become one of my favorite songs. It's number 347 in your hymn book, by the way. You don't have to turn to it now. I'll read it for you. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, the be- thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. Be still, my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future, that's 2022, as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves and winds still know his voice, who ruled them while he dwelt below. Be still, my soul, the hour is hastening on when we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrows forgot, love's purest joys restored, be still, my soul, when change 
and tears are past, all safe and blessed, we shall meet at last. God is still on his throne, and everything's going to be okay. We can find joy in the midst of struggle. In a fallen world, no one goes through life without at one time or another experiencing affliction or adversity. One pastor said, adversity is opportunity. Have you ever been in hot water? You've all heard the expression of being in hot water. Did you know that your tea kettle sings its best song in hot water? Over the last few days, the much-used phrase, Happy New Year, has been heard a time or two, right? Another proof that we all want happiness. We live a moment at a time. When life is good, we respond with happiness. When life is not good, our days become a burden, and happiness goes out the window. Is there really any way to have a happy new year? Verse 14 of our psalm says, Satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness. Only God can satisfy us, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Sing for joy and be glad all our days. Only God can fully satisfy the deepest yearnings of the human heart, giving us a sense of stability and fulfillment of purpose and of meaning in life, replacing sorrow with gladness. And reflecting on God's faithfulness in the past brings hope for the future. The future is as bright as the promises of God. I read this week also as I was studying that fear not is the most frequently repeated command in scripture. Isn't that something? Fear not is the most frequently repeated command in the Bible. God God has sized us up fairly well, hasn't he? Fear not. Joshua 1.9, do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so as we stand to the past 12 months, with our back to the past 12 months and our face toward the new year, we can have hope because we too can be sure of God's help. And I think that makes the prospect of a new year worth celebrating. We can trust our all-knowing God for the unknown future. And Solomon, in Ecclesiastes, considering the uncertainties of the future, he recommends enjoying life as God's gift. We don't know what lies ahead, but God is never taken by surprise. So in a rapidly changing world, even when it's changing for the worse, our confidence is is in an unchanging God. And coming back to Psalm 90, the theme of this psalm, we might say, is the frailty and mortality of man as viewed in the light of God's eternity and the importance of man's trusting God and using wisely the time the Lord gives him. That is what the psalmist here is contemplating. You are our dwelling place. You are God. You turn man back into dust. A thousand years in your sight are like yesterday. Life is short because of sin. And Moses, the writer, after his lament concerning man's sin, he follows up with a prayer, verses 12 to 17. 
verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days, not years. We're not even sure about days, let alone years. And secondly, is our, his first petition is for wisdom, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. People do not naturally have this kind of wisdom. Job 28, 28 says, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And his second petition, verse 13, for mercy. Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? And be sorry for your servants. Do return, be sorry for your servants. This speaks of, the, of ending the estrangement between God and man. And his third petition, verse 14 and 15, for joy. Satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us and the years that we have seen evil. Satisfy us. Only God can. Only God can fully satisfy the deepest yearnings of the human heart, giving him a sense of stability and of fulfillment and of purpose and of meaning, replacing sorrow with gladness, with joy. The fourth petition, verse 16, let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. Someone has said here that his petition here is for power. Our work for God must be his work, his power working in and through us. And then verse five, the last petition, the fifth petition, I should say, verse 17, for effectiveness. Verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. We are dependent on God to confirm the work we do for him. Psalm 127, one says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. If our work for God is to be effective, he must confirm it. Maybe a meaning for confirm would be give, give permanence to it. So in closing, let, re, let me remind all of us, faith is not a leap into the dark, but a step into the light. The poet Havergal puts it this way, God will never fail us, he will not forsake. His eternal covenant he will never break. Resting on his promise, what have we to fear? God is all sufficient for the coming year. My time is in your hand. Happy New Year. Let's close in prayer. Would you bow with me? We thank you, Father, this morning as we look forward to a new year for the encouragement your word is to us, challenging us to become people characterized by singleness of purpose. Forgive us where we have allowed personal interests and the pressures of our culture, our own ambitions or secular pursuits to sidetrack us from pressing on toward our eternal goal. May we commit ourselves this morning to live each day focused on you and reaching forward to what lies ahead in eternity in your presence. May we never forget that our times are in your hands.
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.